What's wrong with that? No, it's just. It, sorry, Gow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not going to look at you again. What, is it my head? No, no, no. It's it's. You can't yeah. film it. I oh, know. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Welcome to Born to Watch, where three old mates review and discuss movies that mean the most to them. Hey there, fellow watchers. It's that time of the week again. It's Born to Watch time. My name's Whitey, and I'm the host of this amazing podcast. And as always, it's live from the Panic Room. And this week, we're tackling the 1988 seminal action extravaganza, Die Hard. Gow. What do you think? Good evening, gentlemen. I think it's going to be a great episode. Looking forward to this one. My pick. Yeah, your pick. But uh, yeah, what a cracking movie. Yeah, your pick and also your Stan Bush kick-ass credit song today. Yeah, that uh, that might come later. We'll see how we go. Well, you are riding the wave that's uh, you've got a mullet. Yeah. It's hard to live up to. It's going to be very tough. So, Morgs joining us up there from Noosa. How are you, mate? Uh, great. Having a massive deja vu at the moment. Feels like we've recorded this particular segment and podcast previously. Yeah, we very well may have, but it's all in the edit, as they say in uh, production land. It's all in the edit. Hit Look. the record button next time, dipshit. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, take two. Starring Bruce Willis, Die Hard is where we draw the line in the sand, I believe, for action films. This was his first major role after Blind Date, where he starred with Kim Bassinger, who is a 12 out of 10. And he was also, before that, on TV with, with Sybil Shepherd from Moonlighting, who is apparently a sex addict. So he's doing quite well, old Bruce. But this, as I said, this is the movie that changed everything for action. This took the normal, muscle-bound, Arnie, Sly, action hero and made him the everyman. John McClane was someone that we could all aspire to be. He was just a normal dude. Gow, yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he, he, you're right. He's not the muscle-bound, you know, just machine that goes through everything. He he's a guy, you know, he's 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 got a marriage that's on the rocks. He's coming back to try and meet up with his family and he gets caught up in this, you know, and he, he makes some wrong decisions, but he's you know, and I think that's that's the appeal to everyone. And he, plus he brings a bit of wit to the to the role as well. Yeah. No, he's a he he's a great character, John McLean. He really is. Morgs, some um some short thoughts on Die Hard before we rip into it completely. Yeah, this film, I mentioned it, I think, in the last pod, uh, Major League. This was one of my four or five VHS copies that I had on heavy rotation in Woodward Street back in the day, Cromer Heights, right in the middle of the hood. And, uh, yeah, I I could quote this thing verbatim before I uh, I found Cal Bommie at Dan Murphy's and, and destroyed all that short, medium and long-term memory ability. But, yeah, great, big, big part of my growing up, this flick, and uh, released in 87, Right when we started at Cromer High, uh, Cromer High also making uh, making waves in the media at the moment. Do you? I, I, I mean, to take it aside, we're we're all Cromer High alumni. Do you remember it as bad as it is being portrayed in pretty much every media channel on the planet at the moment? Yeah, look, it didn't seem like much was going on when we were there. We were having the time of our lives. I have likened our youth to our own version of Stand by Me. And, you know, I, I didn't notice that all that shit was going on. There was a lot of stuff that went on before we got there, but a lot of stuff that went on well, there while we were there that ab- we didn't know about. Absolutely. And you didn't, uh, you know, as we said, I, I have said before, you, a bit like our stats, you've only got to scratch a little below the surface and shit comes a cropper quick. 
That's it's, true. I, I, I'm the same. I have rose-coloured glasses because we all had a good time at school and a uh, good bunch of mates. And it, I don't remember it as the pedo, upskirting, wife-vanishing, babysitter-marrying, shit-in-your-lunchbox, phantom-bogging, cab-murdering, deep-creek, crossbowing shit show that it's become today. It was just another another place in the hood that uh, we managed to escape from. But it wasn't quite the badlands, I think, that it's it's portrayed these days. Oh no, there's no doubt. It was look, it was it was a great time for us. There's no doubt. I mean, look, you remember those ponces at Pittwater House up the road? So which Cromer uh, in, East, in, yeah, yeah, Cromer, Cromer High East, Cromer High East. <laughs> I tell you, what, I remember that we took them down the- in basketball. We oh, took mate, they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't compete. compete. Even on their home patch. No, couldn't compete. Yeah. Couldn't compete. We took some cash out of those boys. We did. We did. They, they had enough of it. <laughs> they had enough of it. We were the paupers and they were the princes. There's no doubt about that. Look, very exciting today as we're unveiling a brand new category. We, You all know we love Kurt Russell. So we are adopting a new category called One Degree of Kurt Russell. And we'll explain a little bit more about that later in the show. So you've got that to look forward to. But as becoming the uh, tradition here, we're going to start with a few reviews. This one's from LT. Love Roadhouse, mate. Perfectly highlighted the good and the bad. You guys are bouncing off each other brilliantly. You don't need my feedback, but I think it was your best yet. And I think the rating was right where it should be after watching it and hearing you guys talk about it. Had a few good laughs during it. Mate, thanks, LT. Love the feedback. Keep it coming, please. Thanks, LT. High praise. Yeah, high praise. Really appreciate Good it. Cunt. Good yeah. stuff, LT. Good cunt. All right. Now, this one, that was early, Morks, even for you. So this review is from The Colour Purple. Morgs needs to find a new tune. His words change, but the melody stays the same. Fucking crack up. I think that's what a good – I think she's on the mark. What is she – I mean, is she talking about Stan Bush – Kick-ass credit songs? I think she is, yeah. That's that's the whole point. It's a Stan Bush kick-ass credit song. They're all the same. It's the track that you hear at the end of the movie after everyone's everyone's got to the land or they've won the championship game or or he's won the karate fight or whatever. It's the, it's That's the whole point. It's the kick-ass credit songs. They all sound the same. Morgs, don't take offence. This is constructive feedback. No, this is constructive I love, I love feedback. the fans. I, yeah. um, I didn't realise that we had a, an Instagram page until today so that was illuminating yep. but i was yep. i was trawling on the line today myself and uh i i saw a couple of reviews from from some super bands so do you mind if i share okay. them yeah please do daniel please do. Uh, first one is is on myspace which is despite what you think is still quite active and uh, i would encourage you to to review and go <laughs> and check it out so uh on myspace we had a craig plimmer from Colorado, and he writes great stuff boys I like to listen to you guys in between chatterbait sessions on my couch. Would love to hear more from Dan on the land and especially love how he is the most woke out of you lot. So uh, that that was uh, – yeah, thanks, Craig. Thank Appreciate you, Craig. I, what a guy. I do, feel, I do feel like I probably evolved a little more than uh, than my two compatriots here on, on the, the podcast, but certainly happy to debate that point. Um, uh, it's quite debatable. Or, or That's quite line. debatable. Yeah, either. And Chatterbait, I'm not, not sure what that is, but, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out and, and see what you're up to. Uh, I also booted up MSN Messenger, and I got lost in a bit of a rabbit hole on that, replying to 17 years of missed friend requests and wanting to know my ASL. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, not, still not sure what that is, actually. 
Um, but uh, one of the users, Fatcans73 with a PH wrote, LOL, you guys are hilarious. Want to meet up IRL and motor emoji, boat emoji, eggplant emoji, splash emoji, splash emoji, splash emoji, winky face emoji. So I'm not quite sure what that all means, but I uh, appreciate appreciate it, guys. And, and Fatcan73, uh, we'll, we'll keep up the good stuff for you. Yeah, the fans just keep coming out of the woodwork. And actually, that's going to lead us into the next part where, you know, this show would not happen without the fans. And we really need to reward them when they come out of the woodwork. And today I found out that someone that I didn't think would be following the show has actually become quite a loyal fan. And I know that his cousin, Adam G, as we known on the show as Gooby, Gooby. is a big fan. But his cousin, Mark G, is also a massive fan of the show. And today's episode is proudly sponsored by G Brothers Mercedes. Now, look, most of our fan base would not be able to afford a Mercedes. But if you want to see how the other half lives, pop into the showroom and have a quick look around before you're swiftly escorted off the premises. As you're leaving, tell them that the Born to Watch team sent you. Thank you, G Brothers, for supporting the podcast. Good on your legends. Yeah. Gow. Well done, G Brothers. Yeah, they're, they're very good, the G Brothers. Very, very good. Now, Gow, tell us about Die Hard. All right. High above the city of LA, a team of terrorists have seized the building, taken hostages, and declared war. But one man has managed to escape detection, an off-duty cop. He's alone, tired, and the only chance anyone has got. Bruce Willis stars as New York detective John McClane, newly arrived in LA to spend the Christmas holiday with his estranged wife. But as McClane waits for his wife's office party to break up, terrorists seize control of the building. While the leader, Hans Gruber, and his savage henchmen round up hostages, McClane slips away. Armed with only his service revolver and his cunning, McClane launches his own one-man war. A crackling thriller from beginning to end. Die Hard explodes with heart-stopping suspense. I'll tell you what, Gal, that was one of the better synopsises you've read, and it actually gets you a bit excited for the film, and it's right on. The, it actually hits the mark really fucking well, that one. Let's see how the trailer pans out. Here we go. It's Christmas Eve in LA, California. Is Daddy coming home, soon? Well, we'll see what Santa and Mommy can do, okay? A New York cop, John McLean, has come to see his wife. I missed you. Instead, he's going to have to save her. Sit down. Within this skyscraper high above the city, 12 terrorists have declared war. They're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. There is brilliant because I am interested in the $640 million in your vault. As they are ruthless. But I'm telling you, you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. Now, the last thing McLean wants... Think, damn it, think! ...is to be a hero. Where's Howie? Hey, Tucker! Where? But he doesn't have a choice. What does he think he's doing? John. They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, we sound like a born to pieces! He's inside? Who is he? You have lost troublesome for a security guard. Yeah. Sorry, wrong guess, huh? Would you like to go for the 
Jeopardy. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. You just destroyed a building. I am in charge of this situation. Well, I got some bad news for you. Come up here, that looks like you're in charge of Jack. He is alone, he is tired, and he hasn't seen Disney Squad from anybody down here. Hey pal, how you feeling? Good old things being equal, I'd rather be in Philadelphia. I want blood and you have it. Only John can drive somebody that crazy. He's an easy guy to like. Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis. Die hard. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? Okay, another cracking 80s trailer. Die Hard, what a movie. That's a good trailer, that good one. Good trailer. Really, really good, really good. Now, let's talk about the ratings, eh? IMDb have got this one rated 8.2 out of 10. And for the second week in a row, we've got a movie that is certified fresh and fucked if I know what that means at 94% on the tomato meter and also 94% on the audience rating. That's pretty sweet. That's getting right. fresh. It's getting, it's getting, it's getting real, real fresh. fresh. That's actually fresh with a pH. Yes. Right. Uh, look, I reckon they're right on the mark. And that's not, I'm sort of giving it a bite a bit, but I reckon that's really close to the mark there. Well, we'll get into the gross and, and the movies later, yeah. but uh, but yeah, if if you're going to go on the stats, then it certainly yeah, it's right certainly was a huge hit for the time. So I can I can see why it's got the high ratings that yeah. it gets. Look, as I said earlier, this was released in '88, Morgs, not '87 that you mentioned before. '88, and I think the cow bomb is having an effect already. Please leave the stats to the expert. But this. <laughs> 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 Leave the stats to the expert. Oh, oh so as I said before, this really breaks the mold for the action film. We spent a lot of time with a muscle-bound hero, and now we've got the everyman in John McClane. But not only that, Bruce Willis was actually paid $5 million for this role, which actually blew everything away at the time. It was the most ever paid to an actor, especially someone that's come from TV. Like he's a, he's a relevant nobody when it comes to cinema. My thoughts are this is as close to a perfect action film that's ever been made. There's actually not a bad performance in the whole movie. Even the Nuffies are on the top of their game. There's not a bad performance in the movie. Yeah, it was it was a big movie for the time, and I mean a yeah. real crossover for for uh, Bruce Willis coming coming out of Moonlighting as a TV show into into an action well, movie. It, it's it's this it's this massive blockbuster full of unknown people. It was Alan Rickman's first film. And I want to talk about Hans Gruber because if you look back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. This is Oscar-worthy, his performance as Gruber. Oh, he's unreal as an actor. And if, if you look, and I'm, we may talk about it later in the, pro, in the podcast, but there's no reason why he couldn't have at least been nominated for an Oscar for this, for Die Hard. He was fucking amazing. Yeah, he was awesome. And do you know, he nearly knocked it back. Like, yes. Because he got to the state. He'd only been in the States for a week and he came in and he's out of theater and, you know, he'd done a lot of shows and quite a classical actor, and he sort of went, I don't want to be cast as a villain. I don't want that. And then he just – That would have been a sliding doors moment. Massively. And then he nailed the role, but but a bit ironic that he was so good at it that people wanted to cast him after that as a villain. Absolutely. 
Now, I've, look, got some, I've got some thoughts on this point that I'd like to share in film school for fuckwits. Uh, I think excellent. it's a, a very good point you both bring up and uh, I, I couldn't agree with me more that it's worth exploring further. Okay. Well, look, everyone's looking forward to that. Everyone's looking forward to that. Look, I think this is a this is a top 10 movie for me. This is in my top 10 and easily in my top 10. It's very dear to my heart. And this I've been looking forward to to actually talking about Die Hard since we started Born to Watch. So this is going to be fun. So let's talk about the stars of the show, Gow. Well, straight in, we've got Bruce Willis. Old Tufty. Uh, look, we, we, old one Tufty one himself. Tufty. I mean, we've, we've gone through, you know, he came out of Moonlighting in, into Blind Date, as you said earlier, Whitey, and then straight into Die Hard. But then he started, you know, this, this put him right on the map. He got his $5 million, the most ever paid to anyone. He was the biggest star on the planet. Massive. Yeah. Massive star. The biggest star on the planet. And then, then went into a huge amount of movies. I mean, after this, he did the Look Who's Talking. He did the voice of, of the baby Mikey. And look who's talking. But then Die Hard 2, Bonfire of the Vandies, Hudson Hawk, The Last Boy Scout. Cracking movie. Yeah. Uh, and then it goes on from there. I mean, there's there's tons of movies. Striking distance. Yeah. I've got I've got I've got a question to ask about about yeah. Bruce Willis after all this, but we'll we'll get through the cast. Just interesting. You know what his character's name was in Striking Distance? Please tell me. Tom Hardy. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I'll bring in the stats. But yeah, Pulp Fiction, another massive movie, Twelve Monkeys. Last Man Standing. I really like that. That's where it's like the 1920s. Western, yeah, 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 yeah. movie. Where's his little hat? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Who else we got? Well, then we've got Alan Rickman, who we've just been through as well. I mean, as we said, came out of English theatre and, and shows. Die Hard's his first real movie, but truly, madly, deeply. It was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It's nearly steals the movie. Yeah. Sense and Sensibility. He was in Dogma. And, of course, massive roles in the Harry Potter yeah, films Snape. as Professor, Professor Snape. Snape. Yeah. yeah. And also Love Actually. Who can forget Love Actually yeah. as a role? Yeah. He's a wet blanket in Love Actually. Yeah. That's sort of. He's a, a good actor, man. Yeah. He, oh, almost, he's across. he almost steals every movie that he's in. Yeah. He's, he's very, very good. And, and, you know, sadly missed. Yeah. Sadly missed. RIP. We'll get it right this time. Who's next, Gal? Oh, then we go into Reginald Vell Johnson. Mate, what a guy. Uh, not a, not a lot of roles, um, but you know, it was in Ghostbusters. He was actually in Ghostbusters as a jail guard, one of his first yes, roles. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah. but Crocodile Dundee, yep. another big role. Yeah, as he's Gus. the limo driver. Yeah, the limo driver. Yep. Uh, and of course, his big show after being in Die Hard was in Family Matters as yep. Carl Winslow. Yeah, and it was also in Turner and Hooch. Oh, yeah. Yep. We're, now we're starting to thin out, I reckon. Well, we are a little bit, but just just to let you know. So he was interviewed not long ago and talked about that Gene Hackman was supposed to play the role of Al Powell. Really? And for whatever reason that fell through, but they then decided to aim for an unknown actor and it came down to him and a relatively unknown at the time, Wesley Snipes. It's the right choice. Yeah. Well, and that for him, it's, I mean, that launched his career. Yeah. For but sure. Yeah. He, you didn't need another masculine male in that role. You needed someone that was a, that was not yeah. would not be able to do what John McClane is doing. That well, that's it. Yeah, and that's why they wanted someone. I think and to, no ego. Yeah, no, so it wasn't no dueling ego. stars. Correct, but no ego at all. Yeah, I mean there was there was enough duel out there with him and and um, Alan Rickman. Yeah. You know that that was two big performances there. Yeah, for sure. Anyone anyone else, Gal? Got another little interesting. You went to school with him. Made another film star, Ron Jeremy, the Hedgehog. <laughs> the Hedgehog. Really? Yeah. Okay. There we go. Morgs is a big fan of Ron Jeremy. 
Anyone else, Gal? Then we're going down, but we're looking at Paul Gleason. Okay. As Dwayne T. Robinson. Oh, yes. Uh, He's from the Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. Richard yeah. Vernon in the Breakfast Club. Trading Places was Clarence Beeks. Okay, yeah. And then not much else. Not another teen movie. Van Wilder. He was in Van Wilder. Next up is Hart Bochner. Mm, Ellis. Ellis. Who himself, Supergirl in 84 and then Die Hard. Not really much else that I could find on him. But it was a dead set. It was a mm. movie full of nuffies and it broke the mold. There were no stars in this movie. No. People went on to become stars, but there were no stars in this movie. William Atherton, who played, who was Thornburg. Yeah. Now, guess what his first movie was? It's a flashback to last week with Tom Berenger. Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We need to do, well, maybe we need to do Mr. Goodbar on Born to Watch. Well, I, did I, you look into it this week? Yeah, I did. Okay, please. I actually did last know. week, but I just glossed over it. Please. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you Mate, did. Here's, here's the quick synopsis for that movie. A, dedica- a dedicated school teacher spends her nights cruising bars looking for abusive men with whom she can engage in progressively violent sexual <laughs> encounters. Starring Diane Keaton, Richard Gere, Tuesday Weld, and Tom Berenger. Wow, we weren't yeah. far off the mark calling it soft porn. No, no. Wow. I love it. That's better, gal. That's way better. Well done. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Lifting your game. I love it. Uh, and then we're really thin. We've got Clarence Gilliard Jr. as Theo in the movie. So Theo's the computer expert. Yep. yep. Do you know who, what he was in? No. He was in Top Gun. Is he, is he like... He's sundown. He's sundown. Oh, I was going to say... Well, we could have had him, man. We could have had him. Yeah, right. Okay. What about Robert Davy? Robert Darby? He's one of the FBI agents, isn't he? Yeah, I got nothing on him. <laughs> Went on to star in the Bond. Yeah. yeah. I, I got I got so far down this list, I was like, you know, yeah. I, I left I left Special Agent Johnson and Agent yeah. Johnson out yeah, completely. Were, yeah, well the, the the Johnsons don't need to be mentioned. Um and then the only other one who I'll mention is Al Leong. Who wow. who is he's he's a go to. Yeah, he's he's been in so many movies in uh, you know in those henchman roles. Yes, Lethal Weapon, Big Trouble in Little China, Action Jackson, Death Warrant. Yeah, yeah, he was the he was a token henchman. He is the token henchman. Yeah, he definitely was. He was in a lot of movies. Morg, you got anything yet about the cast? Paul Gleason and William Atherton seemed to be the two go-tos when you need an absolute douchebag in your movie. So it was uh, <laughs> Breakfast Club was another favourite of mine when I was a tucker. And, um, and William Atherton just always shows up when you need a bit of whiny male um, oh. punching bag for, uh, for a role. So, yeah, I, it was good to see them both in that. But I, I think you made a point earlier about there being no weak links in the film, and I have to agree. I think it was cast perfectly and, yeah. and quite a big risk on the part of... Uh, the, the producers to to go with with first Bruce Willis as, as the star and then a whole a whole heap of unknowns as the rest. Bonnie Bedelia hadn't done a lot but was well respected. No, actually, no, we missed Bonnie Bedelia. Yes, mm. yeah, she didn't do much after either. To be perfectly honest, just going back to who do you think out of out of William Atherton as Thornburg or or Ellis? Oh no, was Atherton, the biggest sniveling. Oh no, Atherton's the worst. Like Dick he, Thornburg's the worst. Yeah. Anyway, what else we got, Gow? That's it. What happened in 88, G-Man? Surely you got some stuff on that. I do. Um, so the, we'll go back to what we talked about before. The gross of this movie yep. was $140 million worldwide, $81.5 million in the US, on a budget of $28 million, yeah. of which, you said earlier, Bruce Willis took $5, five million. million yeah. um, opening weekend took $600,000 in July in 1988. 
Yeah, but other well, movies. That, I reckon that I see. I reckon that there just proves that there was no star power. It just became word of mouth. Because that's not a that's not a lot of money even for back then. I think. Well, it's not, but it's still ranked number eight overall for that year in in box office earnings worldwide. Yeah. So if we look at what won it, Rain Man, obviously. Yeah. I mean, Rain Man took four hundred and twelve, nearly four hundred and thirteen million dollars, yeah. and won. On a heap of best picture, best director, best actor, best screenplay. Yeah. The accused with Jodie Foster, she won the award in that. But we look at other movies. Who Framed Roger Rabbit in second, three hundred and fifty-one million. Coming to America, two hundred and ninety million. Yep. Crocodile Dundee two, Twins, Big, Cocktail, great movie. Beetlejuice, Armadeus. Yep. A Fish Called Wanda, Bull Durham. That's a good. Let's stop there. Let's stop at A Fish Called Wanda because Kevin Klein won the best supporting actor. He did. For A Fish Called Wanda. Now, look, A Fish Called Wanda is not a bad movie, but Hans Gruber is way better than Kevin Klein in A Fish Called Wanda. It's just, it, it's the sign of the times that a movie like Die Hard was really only up for technical awards, which I think it was nominated for four. Was nominated for four. Yeah. Didn't win any any major awards. No. I didn't win anything. Did, no, nothing. Yeah. Which is a fucking shambles, really. But yeah, there were some good movies. Like, we've been to draw Red Heat. Yeah. Young Alex. Guns. There's so many. We talk, we talk about, every time we talk about a movie a uh, year in the 80s, we're blown away by how good it is. The 80s is a great decade for, for movies, especially movies that we love. There's a few movies that are going to challenge your 1986. I'm thinking 84. I'm thinking 88. Oh, mate, it's, and this is it. Like, it's, there is, uh, we, I'm still going to stand by that I think 86 is one of the best years ever of cinema, if not the best year of cinema. But there's going to be some challenges, and it's starting to shape up that way already, 13 episodes into Born to Watch. Well, we will definitively decide over time the greatest year in cinema. That sounds it's going to be very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Yeah. Thoughts on 88, Morgs? What were you doing in 88? Yeah, I, 88, again, just back in the hood. I was hitting my straps at, at Kramer High. We mentioned that uh, wondrous place of academia previously, but. 88, oh, so were we hanging out in 88? I don't know mean the G were, but uh, you guys were playing footy together. I, um, we were Stadler Flaming then. Yeah. We, were we, yeah. we were wearing the ASICs. I think I was year seven in 88. You were year seven. Mm. 13. Oh, I might have been year seven or year eight. I think we started playing basketball at the end of year seven. I was in the end of year seven. You guys were in year eight. Yeah. So okay. that's when we sort of started hanging out. It would have been the summer of 87 probably or summer were of 88. You... One of them. Were you still heading up the Yoda Club at that time or at that despair? I was about to ask that same question. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, look, I, and I'll tell you what, let's, let's just go back to the Yoda Club just while we've di- digressed for a bit. After the episode of Step Brothers when I talked about drawing a line in the sand and never treading over it again for the Yoda Club, I was actually reached out to by my fellow Yoda Club compatriot who I had forgotten was there the day and – remembered after listening to the podcast, the poor kid having to do that and run home to his mum. And we were both, we both sort of across text messaging uh, repented and, uh, and we've been forgiven. Our sins have been forgiven. So we've moved on from the outer club. Yeah. By each other. That's all you need. Well, I'll I'll give you guys an idea of what was happening in 88. Please do. Apart from all of that. It's bicentennial. Bicentennial. Yeah. I don't remember. Celebration of the nation. <laughs> Give us a hand. Celebration of the nation. Let's make it stand. We'll celebrate. You could do it. It's 88. 88. 
come on. Give us a hand to celebrate. <laughs> you can't remember what you did fucking four hours ago. You can remember the bicentennial theme. There's some weird, weird segments in my brain, that's for sure. So. Let's go, Gow. Tell us about 88. I'll tell you in 88, this might give you a clue as to what you guys were doing. Here's the top arcade games of 1988. Oh, good call. Robocop. Yeah. Ooh. Double Dragon 2. Ooh. The Double Dragon. Yeah. Cable. Cable's my favourite oh, game of all don't time. Don't tell me you weren't down at the BP at the on BP. Fisher Road. On Fisher down at the Road, BP on Fisher Road. Yeah. Or the or the duck in the duck or in. the duck in the duck yeah, in. yeah the duck in near the school cable cable and Rygar are photo finish yeah. for the best arcade games ever for me yeah uh, cable the, the biggest selling game of the year was Afterburner oh, do you remember when you had you to sit in you had to sit in the in the oh, yes. in the game Super Mario Brothers two yeah that's a massive Nixon that's a Nixon oh, yeah. game yeah would be all over Loves that. Ghouls and Ghosts, which was the follow-up to Ghosts and Goblins, one of my favourite games ever. Yeah, you were good at Did you do 166 lines in Ghosts and Goblins? Oh, no, no. There's no way I'd ever commit to saying that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, not yeah. a chance. Yeah, okay. Sweet. Um, <laughs> anyway, Operation Wolf, Silkworm with the others. But oh, Operation Wolf was fucking grouse yeah, as was well. Awesome. That was the first real shoot 'em up yep. with a machine gun. Yep. That's yeah. where you played into the front of the screen. Yeah. It was like cable. Yeah. And you played in and That's things epic. were coming down. Epic. But I'll tell you what came out in 87, which would have been taking all my cash. Street Fighter. I would have yeah. still been all over that. Yeah, that was good. Are you kidding? What a game. Are yeah. you kidding? Yeah, that was really, really good. Okay, let's ask the big questions. Over and under 50. This should be an easy answer, I think, for all of us. Morgs, over and under 50 for Die Hard? Well over. I reckon I did 50 in 1988. Yeah. yeah. You would have for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, over 50. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's been around for 30-something years. Oh, you can't add it up, can you? Yeah. Can't do the math just like the top of your head. 32 years. All oh, right, thanks. Okay, right. Okay, there we go. Yeah. yeah. I said 30-odd years. I was being nice to you. Didn't we have to figure it out? Uh, thanks. thanks. I'm sure you guys will offer me the same fucking respect when we do the uh, rankings. Uh, when, so anyway, when you can't add three fours together, it's a little different. No, I got that one. I got that one. It's when you put the two fives in that it fucks my life. I'm well over 50. I'm probably like more because I'd, I'd be up around triple digits, I think, for Die Hard. This was a go-to almost every afternoon. So, yep. Well watched. Well watched. So, question time. Got three questions for you boys, and I don't want to hear crickets after I answer them. I'd like to have some engagement, please. Okay. So, is is Die Hard the best action movie of all time? Well, that, okay. So, when, when we look at some of the movies, like, for example, Star Wars. I'm not calling Star Wars an action are we, movie. Are you saying that's sci-fi? Yep, I'm saying sci-fi. So if you're looking, if you're looking at things Because that, there's no greater movie on the planet that's ever been made than Star Wars. Well, this is why I asked the question because, you know, where, where do you put it? So the greatest action movie of all time, yeah, it's an awesome action movie, but there are some really good action movies. Yeah. Predator. Yep. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep. Lethal Weapon. Yep. Mad Max. Aliens. Well, Aliens is going to go in your sci-fi category. There's a ton. I mean, the Matrix. How do you, how do you say it's the best? I mean, that's that's hard. It's a hard question. It's mm. a but if you either think it is or it isn't, Morgs, what do you reckon? It's it's difficult. I guess action movies have changed a lot too. So at the time, Die Hard felt really snappily paced and, and not much lag. But if you compare it to something like John Wick or The Raid mm. or yeah. Edge of Tomorrow or any you know, flicks like that that have they've come along since. It's actually it, it, there's a lot of setup and, and sort of character building that don't happen in 
pure action fest like the raid if, if you haven't seen that go out and watch it tomorrow that's just incredible yeah, it's, it's just that's an incredible action. movie yeah the whole time but i um i mean aliens gal mentioned before it, another huge favorite of mine and it definitely transcends sci-fi i think you become more of an action flick but i've got a i've got a bit of a controversial take on this i think the best action movie ever made may be australian really is it about a solo sailor it's not about a solo sailor, although that is a great flick, and I encourage everyone to go out and check that. But uh, and it's, a lot of it's also it's not. <laughs> there is a lot of action in that one. <laughs> a lot of friction. A lot of friction. There's a fraction too much friction. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I I think that, and I know what you're thinking, and no, it's not Razorback with. Um, oh, what a movie! Yeah, Russell Mike K uh, with, with North Shores. Gregory Harrison, actually, what a movie. Uh, amazing actor, yeah. amazing film. But no, I wasn't thinking about Razorback. But uh, I think um, George Miller's latest, Mad Max Fury Road, may even transcend and and take the title from Die Hard as the, the best ever action film. I mean, that was uh, on first viewing, you were just the whole, it was, it, it's an action sequence the entire movie. It just doesn't yeah. stop. So I would argue that uh, Little Old Australia, uh, the battlers in in the South Pacific may be the title holders for for best ever action flick. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I, it's hard to disagree. Well, what about something like we haven't talked about any war movies? What about something like Saving Private Ryan? War movie. It's a war okay, movie. so you're putting, in a, you're putting that in. I'm putting that in a war but, but movie. Okay. okay, so it's not action. No, 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 no. But like, but you, you could say that's a drama. Yeah, as that's well. what I'm saying. So, but it's, so that's I'm what I'm there's no war movie. movie no, so you're going to put that in a different yeah, category. Yeah, okay. different category. Because yeah, it's that's a quality movie as well. Okay, so it's a, that's a good question. It gets us thinking, right? Okay, so then leads me to the next question. We talked about Bruce Willis. Now, Bruce Willis became the biggest star on the planet, and it was because of Die Hard. He could write his own check. Did he ever do anything remotely near as good ever again in his career? Because he's got a massive catalogue of films, and a lot of them are shit. No, and um, and obviously lately he's made a lot. Yeah, there's a reason, lot of there's a re- yeah, there's, there's reason reasons for that, that but yeah. but he's made a lot of straight to video yeah. movies. But we went through it before. You look at all the movies we talked about. I mean, I really love the Last Boy Scout. Great movie. movie, Tony Scott, but, amazing. Yeah, but uh, but can you go past Die Hard as his best movie? I don't think you can. No, I don't think pop, you can. I think Pop Fiction's as close as he's come to, but he's a he's a bit player. But yeah, there's no star in that really. Yeah. Well, he's not yeah. the star of that. No. no. Morgs? Sixth Sense is brilliant on the first viewing. I think that was another movie where going yeah. in with knowing nothing about it, it was just that was a fantastic paradigm shifting movie that you just walked away going, wow, that was incredible. But on the second viewing, you're kind of like, eh, you're just watching but, for the twist the whole time. Um, but, Pulp but Fiction's. Sorry, you go. Yeah, you, no, no, sorry, mate. Keep going. Pulp Fiction. I was yeah. going to say, Pulp, Pulp Fiction's Butch. Uh, I agree with you. I think it's a, it's a scene stealing part in a in yeah. a brilliant breakout movie. But I no, I don't think it, 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 either of them tops Die Hard. Yeah. Well, if you're talking Sixth Sense, you're talking M Night being the star of that. Yeah. He's mm. Bruce Willis is just the vessel, and even he's trumped by Haley Joel Osment in that movie. Sure. Like, yeah. That agree. is the star turn in that film. So I I personally think. He never came close. His second movie was his best. And by the length of the straight, like, this is so much better than anything else he ever did. Okay. So then this is another question that's interesting to think about. Who had the better career, Willis or Rickman? Well, again, a little bit different career because we talked about Rickman came out of out of you know acting yeah. on stage and things yeah. like that. 
but is an incredible actor. If you're talking about just out of being who's a better actor, well, I'd say that, but who's had the better career? Yeah. In movies, I'd have to go with Bruce Willis. Right. Yep. Morgs? As a career in movies. Yeah. Morgs, what do you think? I, I mean, what, what did Rickman do other than uh, he did this, obviously, and this was this was a great scene well, stealing straight out of theatre, but he did the, the Harry Potters. What, what yeah, else? He did the Professor Snape. He was in Dogma. He was in Love Actually. Which one's Dogma? Is, is, is Dogma the, yeah. the, the, the... Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith Kevin one. Smith, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Two that's, Angels. Yeah. That's Athletic right. Matt Damon. Damon. Yeah. Rickman um, was in that. I can't remember him in that. He was Metatron. He's, he's one of the uh, he's one of the archangels, I think. Yeah, he's one of the uh, yeah. Shit, I didn't like. I thought Dogma was a shit movie, to be honest. Yeah, it was not a bit of a one trick pony, old Kevin Smith. But uh, what else was he in? Uh, obviously, Die Hard, Truly, Madly, Deeply, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Love Actually, obviously a Christmas viewing staple at the Morgan yeah. household, thanks to my wife. Yeah. No, it's a, that's a great movie. Uh, Michael Collins. But look, apart from that, they're, they're the big ticket ones. But he did a lot of stage acting in between all of that. Yeah. So look, it's a hard it's a hard one to to compare. Oh look, I think if you go if you go career, you're probably going Bruce Willis. Obviously, he probably made a shit ton more money than Alan Rickman. I think Alan Rickman's probably a, a better actor than Bruce Willis. Well, Bruce Willis's movies have grossed two point five billion dollars. Yeah. No, so. he's made a lot of money. There's no doubt about that. Okay, just a few little questions before we move into the categories. Thank you for participating this week. I appreciate that. Usually there's crickets, but anyway, well done, boys. <laughs> so. Let's slide into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, so the good is what we like about the movie. The bad is what we don't like so much about the movie. And the ugly is what we think is absolutely just downright fugly. We'll start with you, Gow. What do you got for good? Good, Alan Rickman. Obviously, we've just all talked about him. Love it when he comes out of the office and shoots the, gu- the gun, John Travolta style. <laughs> it's always been a favourite that we've, we've liked. Yeah. Because he had a bung leg, he did his knee in the first few weeks, so he was did hobbling around on one leg. Slide. No, that's so that's did. why he, I think that's why he came out and he had to do that because he because <laughs> he was walking on one leg. But my other one is Carl's brother. What's his name? Carl's brother. Yeah, Carl. You know Carl with oh, the long hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Marco. Oh, Marco. Marco. His light grey tracksuit that he wears oh, God. for the robbery. Oh God! It's matching light grey. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, it's grey mal. <laughs> it is. It it's is, and it's. I'm just thinking, if you're going to rob, if you're going to rob a massive building, that's what I'm, I'm wearing. <laughs> I think it was Botany Bay. <laughs> Shout out to Botany Bay. Mm, sloppy Joe. Yeah, the trackies and the Sloppy Joe. It's really seen. <laughs> it's really seen. Mate, yeah, look, Morgs, what do you got? Yeah, I I, I thought about uh, this movie, but something that's really unique about it is one of the plot devices, which is I thought was really clever, which is McLean having his, no shoes throughout throughout and trying to get some shoes off the henchman and you're wondering what, what the hell he's doing. And the guy's, he, he claims that the guy's got feet smaller than his Small sister. Than him. And yeah, but it's, it's, it's interesting. And what they're obviously setting up is when all the baddies shoot out the glass at the end and he's got to run across it. That's a, I just thought it's a really original and visceral part of the movie because you can really imagine what it's like running across all that, those broken shards and how fucked up your feet would be and uh, how much it would hurt. So I thought that was a unique plot device and we've talked a bit about plot lately. So, yeah, that was, that was something that struck me the on the, uh, the 1,246th viewing this week. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Look, I, I, had, uh, I had the three leads. I had Willis, Rickman and Bell Johnson. I thought the three of them are superb. They, they just Their performances are flawless and really just carry the movie, the three of them. Couldn't imagine anyone else playing any of those roles. Um, I, 
I had Nakatami Plaza. I thought I was the th- that was the fourth best character in the movie. The fact that it was a, a real building, the fact that it was under construction, there was so much they could do with it, which they did do with it. They had so many hiding spots, so many. Yeah, it just opened up a whole Pandora's box of opportunity for for action sequences, mm. and they used all of it. Well, it was the 20th Century Fox's building. building. Yeah. Right. So that was the reason they could get to do yeah. everything in it. They could do everything, and they could have all the explosions. Yeah. But there was an issue with all the gunfire. Because there are people working Still on some working. of the floors. So they're working on some of the floors, that aren't, but there's all the gunfire happening. So I think that's why, because there end up being issues about it. So they, they shot a lot of the gunfire scenes at night. Mm. And if you remember the, on the roof, it's all at night. Yeah. Look, I think, again, this, this movie is perfectly paced. Even, even into, for today's standards, again, there's no fat on this bone at all. It is lean. Even, and even the sweet, quiet, parts of the film when it's Bruce Willis and Reginald Vell Johnson who are having those moments alone and they're talking and it's a full bromance but it's needed it's needed because the movie is happening so fast that you just need to take your breath mm. I think what we can fall into too much now is going breakneck speed for the whole time and, and you just sort of lose it because sometimes you just need a chance to take a break and you actually have that in Fury Road you have mm. that where it's full on but then they go and they meet yeah. the old women they have that break and then it's like okay that's intermission now we're going to kick your ass for the next half of the movie. What? Well, uh, yeah, and that builds between the characters. I mean, he's got his downtime there, Bruce Willis, and you know he develops the character a little yeah. bit. Otherwise, it becomes a Matthew Riley novel, correct? And it's just you know bang to bang to bang to the next one, and it's not it's not good. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Look, and my last part are the Agent Johnsons. Like they are an absolute cliche. They are an yeah. absolute cliche, but the movie needs them. But that's the whole point. Yeah, it's like that it's, levity. It's yeah. that break again. It's so, everything is so serious, and suddenly these guys come in with the big dick energy, and they're just swinging. And it's like, let's just do this. And when he's saying, you know, this reminds me about Saigon. Yeah. Like it's I was just, in junior high. I was in junior, that's right. I was in junior high, dick. It's just so fucking good. And we'll try and tell you when we come and do your men. Like yeah. they're just yeah. But it goes so well from Al Powell being you know the straight shooting cop yeah. that's that knows what's going on. And then you've got Clarence Beeks or Dwayne Tree Robinson, I yeah, should say, who's, yeah. who then just panders to the FBI. He's a dick. Yeah. Yeah. He's a dick. Yeah. So look, to be honest, the whole movie is quality. The whole movie is, is good. So let's go into the bad. And I know we'll be nitpicking here, but we'll start with you, Morgs. You got anything for bad? Oh, you know, I try to be hypercritical when I watch this this week, but I just there wasn't anything that really stood out to me. There's nothing really on the nose. Like it's hyper violent, but so fucking Ellis wild. is. I mean, Ellis. Yeah, Ellis. I mean, Ellis loves the bags. Like <laughs> I mean, so. It's well, I've got for, for here. For, uh, funny Moses, let's stop you there because I, in my bad, I've got Ellis. Right, I go. What a dick. This will be controversial, as there will be an element of respect from Dan. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, Ellis. You know, Ellis was just getting through his day, and he he wasn't. He, he went to someone else's office, so of course, he were, smart. He was, yeah, he would smart. smart. So no, nah, look, I mean, Ellis is obviously meant to be a sniveling character, but no, there wasn't. I think nah. you made the point early on that everyone plays their role in this in this movie, and there's no weak point. There's no Jar Jar Binks. That's for fucking sure. So no, you're right. Uh, you're exactly. Yeah, right. I, I. It would be really nitpicking if I was to pick anything bad with this film. So no, I'm yeah. going to shut my mouth. Okay, good. Yeah. Back, back on your point, Morgs. He's he's in the office. He, you know, he's racking up on the desk, and his boss, you know, Takagi, Japanese Takagi you know, Joseph Takagi, a Japanese businessman, just comes in and he's like, ah, yeah, yeah, just watch out. He's a policeman. Yeah, he you knows know. everything that's going on. And then it was the eighties, though, yeah. Right. And then 
there's also the couple that gets busted in the office that bust the yeah. burst in when he's in, and then they they get caught by the by the terrorists in another office. What sort of parties is this guy throwing? Good parties, yeah, good parties. He doesn't mind the old it's, like, it's, it's like Castle Hill. It's yeah. those kind of fucking parties, yeah. and that's what it is. Ball going around. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I've got a couple of things, and it's really, really nitpicking. Like, the guy who McLean kills at the start and then complains that his shoes are too small is seven inches tall than Bruce Willis, right? They're all there over is, six foot. There is no way that that guy's feet are smaller than Bruce Willis. <laughs> you know, right? that's such a good point, because actually yeah. I do remember now looking at the feet on that guy when he's in the yeah. elevator yeah. When he, and thinking, mate, he's running size 13 and Bruce Willis yeah. is an eight. Like, yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I changed. Yeah, so I want to change my vote. That's, that's my bad. <laughs> yeah, so th- there's that one. Then the other one is when... They fight in the boardroom and the guy's walking along the table, shooting yeah. everywhere but at him. And you can see him under the table. Crawling under the table. And he's like, you know, you must take the chance to kill someone when you get the opportunity. He goes, thanks, dickhead, and just shoots him through the table. I'm like, mate, don't you just blow the magazine mate, through the table and, that's and shoot a him J- That's a James Bond staple. Like, you know, yes. why, why, yeah. why kill James Bond when you can make an intricate plot and walk away and not watch it? Like, uh, no, I, I yeah. wasn't too fussed by that. No, no, no. And again, you, you're really nitpicking, and and there's really nothing bad about this movie. It is it's fucking quality. So I'm tipping, Gal. You got anything more? Oh, there? I got one more. And and this week we, it was like the last week, the week before. What's the thing with the bearer bonds? Yeah, I know. I love it. Love I it. left that. Yeah. Don't don't they? But don't they have computers? It's ADA. Yeah. Surely, know, surely in, they're not after a lot of the physical cash. Hollywood films, though, they, they, you always have cop bars and fireman bars, like in in backdrafts. Yeah. They all go to the fiery bars, and in every yeah. single cop movie ever, they go to the cop bar. Maybe there's a scriptwriters bar where all the screenwriters go <laughs> and, and get on the piss, and they mm. just go right this week. Everyone just chuck in bearer bonds into your script, okay? And they all yeah. fucking laugh, and they they have a yeah. <laughs> they have a shot, yeah. and uh, that's how bearer bonds became. So de rigueur in fucking uh, Hollywood movies from that era. I, other than that, have, I have no idea. Have you come across that in your, you know, experience yeah, in the industry with scriptwriters? Well, Any scriptwriting well, bars or? Well, that's it. I mean, I, I, in, in for those of us that are still in pre 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 production with our with our projects, so uh, we have like there's there's Broadway and there's off Broadway. So we have kind of the the off bars that are for the up and coming scriptwriters, just the young blokes making their way in the world. And uh, yeah, we get together, we have a few laughs and uh, talk in in, in screenwriting vernacular. And yeah, I I mean it is pretty much to say that yes, I I do intend to make it to the the real screenwriter bars in the future. But at the moment, I'm just hanging at the the shit dive screenwriter bars. Yeah, the Colombian. And the Colombian uh, with Flipper. Shout yeah, out to, to my yeah. mate. Yeah, SWAT cop. I guess so. I'm assuming we're not going to have anything in Ugly. I've got a couple Ooh, of things. Not for me. Fuck, I... Not for me. Yeah. Oh, G-Master. Go for it. Love a couple. It. One is when John McClane is down the – like he's climbing down the shaft and he's with the gun. You know, he puts the gun yes. in between the wall and he's climbing down because that's the only route of escape. And and you can see that the cord's coming loose off his gun and he's trying to swing across. It loosens and then he falls and bounces off the wall, falls down under it, then somehow catches with his fingers mm. onto the next one. It's a, it's a little bit a bridge too far there. Like you actually see him bounce off the wall. Well, you know in that scene that the, the actual stuntman fell – Completely. Oh, did he? Yeah, gone. Just fell. And oh. then they had to recut it with him grabbing the vent. So when they shot it, the actual yeah. stuntman fell. 
because he did. He, he bounces yeah. off the wall. I was like, yeah. "There's no way he's yeah. coming back from that." Yeah. So they had to cut that. That's all in the edit. That's a born to watch staple. We've, it's all in the edit. Oh, that's yeah, nice. that's a good point. We've got to be flexible in the business sometimes, G man. When when you do get an uninspected shot, and and just have that flexibility to put it into the film and use it how you like. So it is that that that's certainly a great example of us filmmakers being a, a little bit flexible with the with the shot list. If something happens, that would work well in the movie. Well, if you've got a sort of, it's almost like you've got to swerve, right? <laughs> That's it. You've got to, you've got to lean, lean a tiny bit to the left. What about this guy? Anything else, Gal? You said you had two. One more. One more was when they come in into the under part of the building. Argyle's in there at the start, and they back the truck up. They get they all get out of the back of the truck and there's nothing in there. Yeah. And at the end yeah. <laughs> they, they drop an ambulance out. And that's actually something that the script writers have acknowledged and gone, Yeah, we Yeah, we, we fucked up there. Smashed that one. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that's really it for the bad. But Okay. All right. Too easy. All right. Listen to this. Let's hear some rumors and maybe some stuff that people might not have heard. A huge um, actually a favorite segment of Keithy McNobb on the Northern Beaches. Oh, not a good listen to this. Yeah. Great guy. One of the great guys. Uh, Morris, we'll start. Have you got anything to listen to this? I know you usually don't because you don't like your research, but what do you got? Well, it's only because I came across this when I was having to think about film school for fuckwits, but we, we're talking about Bruce Willis and getting five million gorillas to, to be in this movie, but he wasn't even the 10th choice for the role. So I, did you guys go through who else was considered for this role before Bruce Willis? But if you hadn't. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've got, and you add to him, but I've got Richard Gere, Sylvester Stallone, Harrison Ford, yep. Mel Gibson, yep. Arnie, Clint Eastwood, Robert De Niro, Charles Bronson, Don Johnson, Richard Dean Anderson, yes, MacGyver, Burt Reynolds, and even Michael Madsen were considered but declined the role before uh, they gave it to Bruce Willis. So I, I don't know, it's such an, what do you think they saw in the script that they didn't like? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Well, I know that Stallone would have, you would have thought he'd taken this because last week we talked about how he wanted to turn Beverly Hills Cop into a massive action movie, but maybe he's filming something else. I don't know. Yeah. Stallone was a one-man band, though. Like, he would have wanted to control the whole thing. Yeah. I think that's part of the problem, especially around this. He's coming off and the there whole- was talk that they, they when they got Bruce Willis on board, they definitely lightened up the script and added a lot more comedic uh, parts yeah. to it because that was his strength. So I think Well, that was that, what I mean, he was in Moonlighting, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's that wisecracking sort of dude. With the with the soon to be nude nut that he, he became, so I think that I mean ultimately I couldn't see any of those guys doing a better job than than Bruce Willis nah. did. So it was it nah. was for the good. Nah. To have what twelve actors ahead of you and uh, then finally giving it to Bruce Willis and giving him five million squids, like uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's not a bad listen to this. I think. Uh, well done, Morgs. Yeah. Well, just speaking on Bruce Willis, he turned down the role of Sam Wheat in Ghost. Oh really? To star alongside Demi, um, but Seems- he didn't. He didn't think the plot would work, and he didn't want to play a ghost because he thought it'd be detrimental to his career. So, but instead, he did. Um, he, he did, did six cents yeah. seven or eight years later. <laughs> but, but you know, maybe he learned from that. And went, you know, I he really made- should have done that movie. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's so many sliding doors moments in actors' well, careers. It's, it? it's actually interesting when you go through some of that. Who who knocked back a role? Who didn't get picked yeah. or, or dropped out for whatever reason? I got one. What about the wife beater that he wears? He donated, Bruce Willis donated that to the Smithsonian. So it's in the Smithsonian. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I got to add to that. Are you going to, there were 17 of them? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah. 17. Did you notice in the movie though, 
it changed from scene to scene. Like yeah. the first one, it's white, and then all of a sudden, it's just brown. It's yeah. completely brown. Yeah, it gets pretty down and dirty, old, mm. old uh, Johnny. I got another one. Uh, Jan de Bont, who went on to be quite a noted director of his own, who was the cinematographer. Of this film got locked in an in an elevator during the filming of this movie, and it actually inspired him for the story of Speed that he would go on and direct. That was really? about him, with him being locked in this in the elevator during the filming of Die Hard inspired Speed. Wow. Which is a fucking good movie. Well, yeah. Die Hard in a Bus. It's a really good movie. Good flick. Yeah. Anything else, G-Man? Quick one. Bonnie Bedelia. Her real, her, her full name is Bonnie Bedelia Culkin. Right. Macaulay Culkin's um, auntie. Really? Well, she did the right thing by cutting the Culkin bit out. Yeah. Macaulay Culkin's lost it. The movie is based on a on a book called Nothing Lasts Forever. Yeah. So speaking of people who starred in the movie, it was based on that. And the person that owns that is Clint Eastwood. He owned the rights to the novel and had planned to do a movie in the 80s and for whatever reason didn't happen and it moved on. Yeah, okay. So we know we've already spoken about how it was the Fox home base, Nakatomi Plaza was. It was their building. And because of that, the scriptwriter was able to tour the building to develop action sequences by seeing the sets in live. So that's why the movie's so good because he was able to go in and actually make the action sequences in the places that it was actually going to happen. Right. They're really cool. Yeah. It wouldn't be done very often. So, yeah, no, very, very cool. Anyway, we've got anything else? One more. What was the body count for the movie? Oh, this is uh, – Did you have this? Oh, I don't know what it is. I'm going to no, say – No, it is. 18. That's close. Morgs? 84. That's not so close. I said 18, mate, not 80. <laughs> the on-screen body count was 21. Ooh. Okay. Well, there, there's not many people outside the building, I guess, that die. They mostly die inside. No, the, the guards building. at the start. Yeah. Then all, all, the, of all the, the terrorists. All the terrorists. Yeah. Takagi. Lester. Yeah. Lester. Ellis. Lester Ellis. <laughs> Ellis. <laughs> Lester. Well done. Well done. Okay. Well, we've hit oh. that time. I guess. Oh, no, I've got one more. Go for it. With what's his name? Al Leong. Yep. The henchman. Yep. So he, in the scene where he steals the, the uh, bars. Yes. He came up the chocolate bars to eat. Like he's sitting behind the counter when, when the SWAT team's about to come yes. in. He picked up, he decided to do that. And then he talked to the director. He talked to John McTiernan and said, you know, can I do this? And he went, yeah, that, I mean, that, that really brings some, a little bit of comedy, a bit of lightness to it. So because he did that, he said, John McTinnon said this, that assured him a longer life. I was killing someone every eight to 10 pages, but that moment made him interesting. So I kept him for longer. <laughs> Here we go. I knew I was eating chocolate for a reason. Mm. Okay. New segment. One degree of Kurt Russell. Now, Morgs. Have you got a one degree of Kurt Russell for Die Hard? So, so one degree. So this is basically we have to link some some something in this movie has to link to Kurt Russell. One, so it literally has to have worked with Kurt Russell or somehow be connected to Kurt Russell, but only one it, step. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I thought this one was pretty easy this week. I thought so. You just mentioned him, Al Leong, who is the the quintessential henchman from the eighties movies and some of our favourites. So, of yes. course, he featured in Big Trouble in Little China, 
alongside our favourite Kurt Russell. So that will give you one degree, and that was just a piece of yes this week. That one was very easy. You got another one, Gear? No, no. I'm just saying it's it's going to see. You got to see that's a that's a good one early. Yeah, it's a good one Let's early. See how it's they come be out to see what we do when we when we pick our next movie. Who that's going to be? Because one degree is not going to be easy, but I think we might be able to get there because we are very very talented, very talented. Okay, let's slide into the quotes. And there's a few here, I'm sure. So, uh, Morgs, have you got anything in there? Because I know you like to jump in first to get the best ones out of the way. So, yeah, no, I don't think I'll steal the best this uh, this, this week, but it's definitely my, my favourite. Agent Johnson and Johnson, they just they add a heap of comedic value to it. it it's a piss take role. Love it when they get in the chopper and they're flying around, and old mates uh, frothing out a little a little too hard. He says, "Just let it fucking sake on, ain't it?" <laughs> And the other Johnson says, I was in junior high, dickhead. And yeah. I don't know why, but that's just stuck with me all these years. As, uh, oh, as, very, as Mate, how many times have we said that? Oh, how many times? It's I was such in junior a high, life. dickhead. It, it, that's, that's a 10, 20 a year for me. Yeah, Gow, what do you got? Oh, well, there's a few. I like, and one that is said a lot between all of us is the guy in the manhole when they're trying to turn off the 10 grids of lights. And he says to him, shut it down. Shut it down now. <laughs> I must say that weekly, I'd say. For sure. For sure. Oh, fucking hell. What about, what about, okay, this one's an easy one. This one's an easy one. Hans. Booby. <laughs> I'm your white, white knight. knight. <laughs> fucking hell. Apparently that was, um, that, that was in, uh, improvised as well. It was improvised yeah. and Alan Rickman was trying not to shit himself laughing. <laughs> Which is why he's got a weird look on his face because he's like, "Don't laugh." <laughs> what about "Welcome to the party, yeah, pal"? I was about to say that one. That's oh, that's an iconic one. Yeah. Yeah. Come to the coast. We'll get together, have oh, a few laughs. Yeah, very good, very good. And of course, it, we couldn't go past Yippie Kaye, motherfucker. Yeah. So, look, it's not it's not a very quotable movie, like in terms of stuff that I would use in the everyday. But there's obviously some quality quotes, and I think. My favorite, my favorite back and forth in the whole movie. And and I actually use one of the words in the back and forth all the time. It's when Pal is in the Quickie Mart buying the Twinkies. And the guy says to him, Thought you guys just ate donuts. And he goes, They're from my wife. And he goes, Yeah. <laughs> She's pregnant. <laughs> yeah. He goes, bag it. And he goes, big time. <laughs> but I use ya every day. Yep. Every day I use ya. It's so fucking good. Okay, well, anything, anyone got anything else for uh, quotes? Nah, that was good. Ah, all right. Well, after that, we slide into what is fast becoming one of the least favorite parts of the show. Film school? The fuckwits. Take it away, yeah. Dan. It's, uh, I'll try and keep it a bit uh, bit more brief this week. I, I got on a bit of a roll last time and uh, liked the sound of my own voice too much. But fellow fuckwits, this, this week I thought we'd talk about um, Bruce Willis. So he, obviously he crushed it in Die Hard in, in a breakout role. It wasn't his first role. We, we talked about that Kim Bassinger Diddy as his uh, his first movie role, but uh, obviously a TV star. But uh, it was it was a big gamble by the studio to to take a gamble on an unproven star. And we talked about that roll call of actors that were were 
meant to take the role ahead of him, but all passed on it. But uh, it, it definitely paid off in the end. And you can imagine the pressure on the studio suits to go against their instincts and put an, own, an unknown actor in a star role. And I've been watching The Offer lately, Whitey, which I know you like, and uh, that Great really show. highlighted the fact that the studio for the, the Godfather movie were totally against putting in Al Pacino, who was an unknown theatre actor at the time. But you couldn't imagine the Godfather movie without Michael Corleone and, and Al Pacino. So it, um, Francis Ford Coppola, it was his choice. He wanted it. He was the writer of the, uh, of the movie. Stuck to his guns. Yeah, stuck to his guns. So I, I just uh, I wanted to pose the question, is, is John McClane, is Bruce Willis, is this the best breakout role in movie history? And uh, I, I, I think it might be, but we should take uh, take a look at a few other roles that may equal or surpass old nude nut himself, Bruce Willis. So I had to think about it. And I thought um, the, the first that came to mind was probably a, a duo, our favourite Bostonians in Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. And uh, they, they managed to win themselves an Oscar with their first real breakthrough role, which is, of course, Goodwill Hunting with, uh, with with Robin Williams. So definitely could be seen as a, a major breakthrough role with them and, and probably on par. Uh, we talked about Jan de Bont and how he came up with uh, at least a part of the movie Speed, but Sandra Bullock was a complete yeah. unknown for that movie. So Keanu Reeves was obviously booked as the star and, and certainly had quite a bit under his belt before that. But by the time the movie was over, she was a superstar and, and parlayed that into a, a lot of great films and, and to this day is still a, a Hollywood A-lister. So um, certainly a great, uh, great breakout role there. We mentioned a little earlier Jodie Foster and, uh, and I was thinking about her in Taxi Driver. So Taxi Driver, she was 14 and she played yeah. Iris, the child what prostitute. A role. And there was no harder gold in her <laughs> her um, her prostitutors either. It was that was a, a horrific horrific yeah. role and dangerous territory. Yeah. But her, her acting at age fourteen was just yeah. incredible, and 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 wouldn't, acted people three times her age off the screen. Wouldn't happen today. Wouldn't certainly wouldn't happen today. Wouldn't uh, happen just, today. No, but uh, did, no. Didn't one, she get stalked? Didn't she get stalked after that? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen that. I probably haven't seen it this year, but I usually watch Taxi Driver once a year at least. And yeah, that's every time you watch it, it's just uh, fairly oh, it's horrific. Dark. But keeping it's it dark. going, I think uh, Alan Rickman was a, was a theatre actor and obviously made his mark in this. And I think this was also an incredible breakthrough performance. But Sigourney Weaver was similar to, to Alan Rickman in that she came from a theatre background when she was plucked by Ridley Scott, a star in the, uh, the first Alien movies. So. Uh, and, and Ridley Scott has always been really big on female lead characters, which which is amazing. And in Alien, he kills off Tom Skerritt, the other, I guess you'd call lead in that movie, really early. And the, the audience is a bit like, what the fuck's going on here? There's, we haven't got our lead male character now to deal with. So uh, Sigourney Weaver and Ripley, she becomes that lead character and, and has that combination of grit and vulnerability. And um, it, it created a classic film and a, and a film series that we all love. So I think that is definitely a great breakout. Uh, one that we mentioned last week, Sean Penn, obviously noted as one of the best actors of his generation and a favourite of ours in Colours and a whole heap of movies, but started in Fast Times at Richmond High as the, uh, the Sir Bernard, Jeff Spicoli. Yeah, and hasn't played a role since, but uh, definitely every scene he's in in that movie, which is a great movie, Judge Reinhold, we mentioned that recently. It was Sean Penn just just stood out in, in what was really his first role. Brad Pitt, Thelma and Louise. Um, George Clooney was apparently also up for that role, but you can't imagine anyone but the dish himself, Brad Pitt in, in Thelma and Louise. Uh, 
Ellen Page and Juno, another flick that if uh, if you don't love Juno, uh, just at Michael Sarah, great flick. But you're just wondering who the fuck is Ellen Page and where did she come from? But she just uh, lights up the whole screen and, and acts the. Yeah, she's incredible. Off. Yeah, amazing. Incredible. Christopher Waltz, good movie. Christopher Waltz and Inglorious Bastards. Uh, where the fuck did he come from? Quentin Tarantino plucked him from German cinema, and uh, he w- he was just incredible, amazing breakthrough. But what I was getting to is I think, in my absolutely not that humble opinion, the best breakthrough role that I have seen is in a movie that Whitey and I love. I think he likes it as well. It's Leon the Professional uh, with from director Luc Besson. Uh, Natalie Portman at age 12 turning up in that incredible action noir um, and, and just it taking it as a 12-year-old and being able to sustain what we're, we're just not quite sure what what her role is in the movie. She's got that bright mix of innocence and I hate to say it, but sexuality that uh, it's alluring and disturbing. And she's got that real uh, uncanny ability to tap into the darker side of the character that she did again with Black Swan a a little bit later in her career. But yeah, if I think about a breakthrough performance where I'm just completely stunned by a otherwise unknown actor, actress, uh, then I think Natalie Portman takes it for me. So yeah. What do you guys think? I think that Natalie Portman as Matilda in Leon is incredible. I think Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense is incredible. It's hard not to gravitate toward a child as a breakout that actually just blows you away. But I think I think it's also really difficult to discount how amazing and powerful Christoph Waltz was in Inglorious Bastards in a Agreed. role that was that was trilingual. That initial scene in Inglorious Bastards where he's in the farmhouse with uh, La Petite and the the, the Jewish family are under the floorboards is knock your fucking socks off good. It is the best of all time opening scenes in all of cinema. It is knock your socks off. He he is an amazing actor. Revoir, Shoshana. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but he but the thing is, I know and I know we say like he's a breakout role, but he was already an actor. For sure. A high just it's a breakout in, in, in Western in, in Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah, for sure. But man, he I mean in everything he's been in uh, you know he's he is unreal. Yeah, and he does the same thing again in Django, essentially yeah, playing he's the same, awesome. essentially yeah. playing the same character, but wins another Oscar there. Uh, mate, so, he's so yeah, creepy look, in in that movie, not in Django, in oh, um, in Glorious Bastards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just plays that. He just brings that that suspense to it. Yeah, but I think Morgan, if you're talking about first run, then it's but hard it's, to go past yeah, Natalie Portman. Yeah, it's I, hard I, to go past Natalie Portman. Okay. I, I think Christoph Waltz as well, yeah. that you, you make a good case for, for them to be equal. But I, Bruce Willis is in the mix is what I'm saying. So he, like, for sure. I yeah. think if yeah. you're looking at a top five, like Bruce Willis is in there for sure. Like from relative obscurity to, to one of the greatest action movies of all time and carried the movie. It's It was incredible. Okay, yeah. well done, Morgs. That's we a good film school for fuckwits. School well done. For fuckwits. Good work, people. We're well getting done. pretty smart Love out there. I can imagine yeah. everyone at dinner parties these days just uh, riffing the shit out of it and, uh, and showing off their film school flex uh, uh, with, their, with their fuckwit information that I provide every week. So I'll keep it coming if you guys are keen to still be students. Mate, you guys are learning shit. So uh, we'll keep it coming for you. Don't worry about that. But we are now heading to what is fast becoming the most favourite segment. I've forgotten the needle drop. Well, we're moving past needle drop because we've sacked needle drop and we are moving into kick-ass credit song and Gao is on the podium today. 
Now, Gow. It's a tough one. Now, Gow, is this worthy of, of some sort of recording on a mobile phone for posterity? Because we should have done that for uh, You've Got a Mullet. You did record it on the phone. <laughs> Only a little bit. Yeah. Only no. take 28. All right. No, I, I, I don't know if it'll take as many as many uh, takes this week. Hopefully not. Okay. Well, let's um, do it. It's a totally different song, so like I had to get that tune out of my head. But that's good because Morgz's isn't. So let's oh, yeah, let's apparently. let's be original. It's a touchy subject. Yeah. So yeah, and you know what, Morgz, you can stick your syncopation or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm free the toxicity <laughs> of my city. Mate, you're more. You've always been a bit more jazz than I, than I am. So you just, <laughs> mate, you, free, you freestyle the fuck out of it. I, I love it. You got a mullet. Is this generation's Bohemian Rhapsody? It is, <laughs> and so. It's your opus. Your nick. Your nick nickname is Mr. Holland. Um, so yeah. So different song, people. So here we go. Okay. What's it called, Gal? I'm trying to laugh. You should see the this, terror in his face. This one's called "You Got a Euro Mullet." <laughs> <laughs> Completely different. Completely different. <laughs> We're not going to get there. Gal's <laughs> gone already. I'm putting my. I'm put, I'm going on mute so I don't interrupt you. So uh, here we go. Please don't. We've got to be in this together. Here we go. You got a Euro mullet, cause your Hans Gruber. You're trying to take down the Nakatomi Plaza. Stop by having a Christmas party, singing songs, and don't see that you're trying to steal all of Joe Takagi's currency. And now you're in charge of the hostages. Got punted from Red Dawn, but now you're doing just fine. Team is running like clockwork. Everything is on time. You open the safe. Gonna get you some sweet dime. You, you got a mullet and your sweet suit. Well, your mate Tony runs around in his track. Keep going. Don't no, start again. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. No, that's not my actual song. Oh. I just made that up. Oh. I just brought oh. that in. That's not the actual song. Oh. Fucking hell, girl. Oh. <laughs> it's actually better than the actual song, so. <laughs> oh. Superb. Superb. Very well. Okay, let's go. Oh, gal. <laughs> my goodness. What's this one called, Gal? This song is called Why the Hell. Here comes a hero, John McClane, in from New York on a plane, meeting up with his estranged wife and trying to get back to his... <laughs> Are you laughing at? <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> I was, was fumbling with the gone. mute button. I was gone. He was I... gone. He was oh. gone. He was gone. <laughs> Oh, this is the best opener. I'm going on mute because I won't be able to make it through, so I'm going on mute now, all right? Don't go on mute. Okay, I won't. Don't go on mute. Stay off got, mute. I couldn't stop laughing. We're all in this together. Yeah. All, right, all, right. all right. Just stop okay. laughing. Stop looking at me. I'm hideous. <laughs> this one is going to go. It's going to start as a Stan Bush song, and it's it's going to go on its own yeah, They all do. I mean, they all do, Gear. That's how I roll. Yes. Apparently. Here comes a hero, John McLean. In from New York on a plane, meeting up with his estranged wife and trying to get back to his old life. But Hans and the gang had another idea. They took the company hostage. Everyone was in fear. There's questions that need to come to light for some of the shit that happened that night. Like why the hell are 80s bearer bonds so sweet? 
And why the fuck does nothing fit on Johnny Mac's feet? What sort of wild parties does Takagi throw? These are the questions that we need to know. And why the hell does Lester think he's so sick? And why are all the FBI also fucking thick? Why the hell does J-Mac Singlet change color all the time? So many answers that we need to find. What the hell? Yeah. That was really fucking good. Except for you guys laughing in the middle. No, I had, a, yeah. I had a pop. A pop what, I don't know what you were singing to, but I had like a, a, a Blink-182 pop punk sound going in my head when I was listening to it. Outstanding. It starts out to fight to survive and then it just goes. Yeah, it's very good. Very it's very good, good again. You You're a lyricist. Well done. You do have a talent. You do have a talent. So I'm looking forward, we're, well, we're looking forward to getting the feedback on uh, what the hell and possibly you got a Euro mullet, <laughs> which, which I'm sure will make the cut because we can't leave that out. Ugh. So, boys, let's talk about the star of the show. This one's a bit tough, but uh, Morgs, what do you reckon? Your star of the show for Die Hard? I'm going to say uh, Alan Rickman just because that's what I enjoyed so much this time around. So, pro- I mean, it would be hard to argue against Bruce Willis, but I'm going to anyway. Fuck yeah. Uh, Alan Rickman for me. What about you, Gal? I'm with you, Borgo. Well, I'll tell you Alan what. Alan Rickman. We're three from three. I'm going Hans Gruber. I think that he is amazing. Bruce Willis is great. Gruber makes the movie. Yeah, such a good villain. Such great, a really good great villain. villain. Great villain. Great villain. Okay. So that was quick. Well done. So final thoughts. As I've said before, Die Hard is a top 10 film. It's obviously one of Morgs' favourites, and Gal loves it as much as well. So let's just get on to the ratings. And we're going to start. What are we rating it? Okay. That's a good, that's a good point. What are we rating it? So a couple options here. Euro mullets. Uh, I've got Euro mullets. I've got Twinkies. Twinkies. I've got toasted quarterbacks as well. Oh, that was a good quote. We missed yeah. that. The quarterback is toast. Yeah. Uh, anything else you could think of uh, to throw in the mix? I actually don't mind toasted quarterbacks myself. Yeah. The quarterback is toast. That's good. A toasted quarterbacks. Yeah, let's run with that. Okay. That's toasted, good. Toasted quarterbacks it is. So how many toasted quarterbacks are you giving diehard morgues? And we're going to lead with you because this will determine what happens. It's it's not a four and a half, but it's not a four. So I'm going to go 4.25. Okay. All right. 4.25. I'm interested to see what's a five for you, more. Yeah. I thought this yeah, might I've have been, been a I've chance. Been, I've been given a lot of thought. and this, I really love this movie, and it was I was able to not say that through the whole episode, unlike you. But for it's not a five. I've got a few in mind that might tip over a four and a half, and I've got a five movie that we, we'll get to, I'm sure, on the list. But yeah, this is. It, I love this movie. I wasn't bored on the rewatch. I enjoyed it again. I enjoyed it every time I see it. Four point two five. Yeah, well done. And what about you, Gal? I'm going straight for four toasted quarterbacks. Four. Just so everyone knows, our leader here's already got the phone out. Well, doesn't back himself in. No way. There's no. Well, I made point two five, and it's only going to get worse when I do my fucking. Well, you could give it a 0.75. I, I could, just... but I'm not going to. I'm going to give Die Hard 4.5, Toasted Quarterbacks. Ooh. And that that's going to end up being 12.75 in can, total. You can do this. Don't use your phone. You can do this, Whitey. You've got this. Oh, do you know what I Come did? Come on, mate. You Think can about get overs and unders. Surely. What's, you know, the you know what I... What's right in the middle? Come on. You got do this. You know what... <laughs> do you know what I did? It's 4.25. Oh! But you know what I did? 
I did twelve point seven five and and minus three. <laughs> <laughs> that was an involuntary snort. I am fucking shit at this. So gout four point two five. Where does that put Die Hard in the pantheon of Born to Watch films? It puts us right at the top of the pantheon. Well, not right at the top, but it is in third place. It's on the podium. It's on the podium. It's knocked the guard down to 4.17 derringers. So that's out. And it's right below the thing at 4.5 flamethrowers. So it's in the bronze medal position. It's in the bronze medal position. Yeah, it's a good spot. Yep, I think that's right. What do you think, Morgs? Do you think it's a better movie than The Thing? Not personally to me. No, I, I love The Thing. The Thing was I, was, I came late to The Thing. The, Die Hard's been a part of my life for a long, 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 long time. But you got me into The Thing a little bit later and I was just blown away and it's got Kurt Russell in it, of course. So, yeah, no, course. I, if, if you said to me, what do you want to watch tonight, Die Hard or The Thing, I'm going to go with The Thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same, mate. I'm the same. Okay, so what are we watching? Uh, Gal, you got anything to uh, recommend to our illustrious fan base i haven't this week i've still still been finishing up on animal kingdom yep. haven't watched much else but yeah starting starting some new stuff soon hopefully in this this weekend yep very good what about you morgs yeah i watched a, a netflix docker on the woodstock 99 festival which uh was excellent check that out it's on netflix now uh better call Saul is getting just ridiculously close to the final episode so loving that. And, of course, uh, Below Deck, Mediterranean, almost, almost through the ninth season. So, yeah, it's going good. Okay, well done. I'm trying to finish The Wire. So oh. I'm nearly up to season four of Fuck The Wire. Me. So I've got wow. one episode to go tonight of season three. I'm loving it. It's just a grind. Once you get through season two, it. season two is – but on looking back, I really enjoy season two of The Wire. But at the I, time, I actually didn't mind. I, 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 yeah. You, I actually didn't mind season two. I thought Sabotka was a really good character. Yeah. I like him. I'm really enjoying. I'm really enjoying season three, but yeah. it's just a grind. But uh, there's so much to watch, and I'm trying to watch new stuff and trying to go back on the old stuff as well. So anyway, I will be finished the wire shortly, and I can be anointed after I do that. And Breaking Bad as what we all know that I am. What about Mad Men? She's a fuckwit. What about Mad Men? Uh, well, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy it. Just fucking watch it. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy it. Anyway, that's it for episode thirteen of. Born to watch, die hard, and what a cracker it was. Uh, 4.25, toasted quarterbacks, and a, and a well-earned spot on the podium with Top Gun Maverick and the thing. Next week, what are we going to do? Where are we going, Morgs? I can't remember. You told me earlier on before, and I can't remember what we agreed on. Okay. It was your choice. <laughs> it was your choice, Dan. <clears throat> what are we deciding? We're finishing strong. That's some quality podcasting. We're finishing strong. Hang on, hang on. I'm going to remember. Don't tell me. I'm going to remember. I'm going to Lost boys, lost boys, lost boys. Well done, Morgs. Yeah, I really didn't need much prompting at all. I picked this, but that was an hour ago, so I, you know, as if I'm going to remember. But uh, yes, it was probably a bit longer than an hour ago. But anyway, the Lost Jason Boys, Patrick, Jason in the Brat Patrick, Patrick, Corey, Jason, or just Corey Hayam, Corey Feldman, Jamie Gertz, the two Corys, Jamie Gertz, Kiefer Sutherland, the dude from Bill and Ted, the dude with the saxophone. Yeah. No, I still believe. Ah. <laughs> uh, well, we may bring Needle Drop back just for that one part. Diane Kruger. Uh, Diane, uh, Diane Weist. That's what I said. Diane. Freddie Freddy Kruger. It's a Diane Weist infection. <laughs> <laughs> Boil. Okay, so I think that's it from us, Born to Watch. We can't wait till next week. We'll be cranking out the Lost Boys for you. Keep listening. 
And look for us on all social media channels at Born to Watch Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can even send us a message or an email on Born to Watch Podcast at gmail.com. Looking forward to seeing you guys on the line next week. It's bye for now. Yippee-ki-yay. Thank you for listening to this episode of Born to Watch. To join us on our journey into some of our favourite movies of all time, you can find us on all good podcast networks like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star review and share with your friends.